Mrs. Bantry was dreaming. Her sweet peas had just taken a first at the flower show. The vicar, dressed in cassock and surplice, was giving out the prizes in church, and the teens were all horny. That's right, this is a Riverdale recap podcast, and we are here to talk to you today. What'd you just read? About Chapter 72, To Die For, by Roberto Aguirre Sacasa, and directed by Shannon Coley. What did you just read? Those were the first lines of The Body in the Library, which was uh, uh, Agatha Christie's favorite of her, her opening lines. Did she talk about horny teens? Absolutely not. And that's why we're better than her. Because that's all we do in sex, Archie. We open on no narration. We get a title we card. We get a title card. Of that <laughs> an set. epigraph. An epigram. That uh, says, life is not an Agatha Christie novel. It's a lot messier. Jughead, or Forsyth, Jughead, Pendleton Jones, the third. Mm-hmm. And his, his birth and death, October 2nd, October 4th? Early, yeah, o- yeah October 2nd, 2001. Uh-huh. To March 18th, yes. 2020. So apparently his death date is the day they found his body. His officially and, recorded death date, yes. And not the Ides of March. Which tells us that last week's episode took three days. We got at least another three days in this episode. A lot, <laughs> lot happens. A lot happens. Uh, but, it's got to be more than three days. But that is how you get your narration from a dead character. The, the, the dead speak through an inscription. Yes, so we then go to the Cooper Jones breakfast table mm-hmm. where the nook of morning everyone else is gathered round, not speaking, sitting over their cold food but, as the phone rings. Yes. And Betty gets up, picks up the phone and gets some news that seems devastating. Yes. Makes her cry. And so then we go to Alice interviewing Betty. And and we see this through the lens of Alice's viewfinder. She's not just interviewing her, you know, She's colloquially. Her. She is filming a documentary because only Alice Cooper could milk a death in her own family for fame and notoriety. Yeah. This is her boyfriend's son. This is her son's half-brother. This is her daughter's bestest boyfriend. And, and Alice thinks, you know... I could sell this. She has three close family ties to Chuck. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't give a shit. Alice is awful. She's so good. Uh, like, well, I'm sure I'll bring it up when we talk about the episode as a whole, but it is really a fre- refreshing to get a Roberto episode because he just gets these characters and, and sells them in, in very little ways that a lot of writers don't. Mm-hmm. Also, like, he gets the episodes where big changes happen, big reveals, and so there's also a, a expectation that a lot more characters show up. Yes. So we'll be very excited for some small presences later, foreshadowing. Yes. Uh, and so Alice is, is asking Betty who was on the phone, and we find out She's that- She's asking, do we have to, Mom? <laughs> yeah. Uh, we find out that it was Yale- and they were calling because a spot recently opened up. A rather slouchy, curly-haired, smirk, 
monkey-shaped spot. And uh, Alice says, probably Jughead's, right? <laughs> and well, Betty's they just like, say. Yeah, it's yeah. safe to assume, Mom. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, wow, they found out really fast that he died. So she was first on the waiting list, huh? And I guess, like, I don't know, the first people they decided to call was Yale to be like, hey, <laughs> Jughead's dead. I mean, their their recruiting network is everywhere and very active, it seems. Yeah, they and just read obituaries to see, like, oh, yep, don't have to give that kid a scholarship. And not dissuaded by charges of, of uh, like, academic malfeasance or, or cheating. Yeah, they don't read that, just the obituaries. <laughs> That's all they care about. So then we go to Alice filming uh, right in front of the Riverdale, the town with pep sign. Mm -hmm. And Kevin is her camera operator. Yes. Yes. Uh, And she is giving us a little bit of a recap about how, you know, Jughead went to a party and never came home. So we're making this documentary about murder in a small town. (laughs) And this is not the framing device for the episode that you might think. They often return to it. We see a lot of head-on shots from... She seems to be filming on an old family uh, camcorder. I I don't know what kind of video fidelity we're shooting for. She has a couple of them. But... (laughs) Remember, she was fired, so she can't use, like... TV show equipment. This is stuff from, like, the Riverdale High AV room? Yes. Yes, it is. Which is why Kevin has to operate it, because she needed Kevin to check it out for her. But, yes, while there is plenty of this in the episode, it is not a a full stylistic decision. We are not watching Alice's documentary. No. There's plenty of other stuff besides. Uh, Though you wouldn't think that, because the next scene we see is her interviewing Nana Rose Blossom as the oldest resident of Riverdale. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. You're you're an expert on what the fuck is wrong with people, because you've seen so many people. And she's like, yeah, the town bathed in blood. (laughs) It's blood. So yeah, she she wants to know what is up and, and when Riverdale lost its innocence, and she gets the answer basically that there never was any. And this is when I throw up my hands because I had an idea in one of the off-seasons to write a full, like, script to do this sort of thing. Yeah. But in the style of, like, a true crime podcast and try to throw in all the, like, uh, NPR overproduced uh, sound stuff. And it would be about a journalist going to Riverdale and finding out when it lost its innocence. And, like, one person talks about the lynching, and, of course, Cheryl is like, oh, when J.J. died. And everybody has a different opinion of of when Riverdale went off the tracks. Yeah. Yes. So Betty is at Pops getting some food, Mm -hmm. and Cheryl comes in all a-hugging. All a hugging. And she's like, I'm so sorry, cousin. The the Blossom family curse has caught up with you. <laughs> and uh, Betty's all like, oh, okay. And Cheryl's like, promise me you won't do it. And Betty has no idea what she's talking about. Mm-hmm. Cheryl is concerned that Betty is going to take her own life. And Betty makes the most confused face. Confused, mixed with disgusted <laughs> at the same time. And Cheryl insists on putting Betty under suicide watch Mm -hmm. and is going to be her constant shadow. And if I were Betty, I'd just be thinking, you know, I could keep playing this weird three-dimensional chess game, or Cheryl could just shoot Donna with an arrow, actually. Now that I think about it, (laughs) we could get this all over and done with. 
Uh, so Cheryl insists on driving Betty where she was going to go, mm-hmm. which was Stonewall. Yeah, to, to uh, back up Jughead's final remaining yes. effects. And Betty insists that she stay in the car, <laughs> which I love. <laughs> Uh, so she goes there, and we, we see her taking down and packing up all of Jughead's stuff. And as she's doing that, we get that what was flash forward, but now is real time scene. We're caught up to it again. With Brett coming in. And and he found out the news fast, because this is where he taunts her about Jughead's not going to Yale, but she is now. See you in New Haven. Yeah. Who told him? There's a blog or some <laughs> shit. Yale's weird. Yeah, I guess. He leaves, and she leaves. But she takes Jughead's tie pin and, and stuffs it in her back pocket. And and as she's walking down the hallway, she pauses in front of Donna and Joan's room. And then we go visit Archie and Veronica, who are getting it on. They are definitely getting it on. And uh, the most accurate thing <laughs> that has ever happened in an episode of Riverdale happens, and that is Archie is kind of on top of Veronica's hair, and they have to stop having sex because he's pulling out her hair. Except you don't. You just sort of shift. But I do love that she was like, oh, oh, you're on my hair. That's real. That's a real moment. (laughs) It is real, but they were clearly having fun and should continue. Instead, like... They decide to have a little side conversation about Betty. Yeah, instead they decide to talk about murder and stuff. Uh, And then Hermosa just busts in and is like, you're going to be late for school. And I'm like, oh my God. So not only are they having sex before school, Betty went to Pops for breakfast. Yes. After getting a call from Yale. Yes. And went to pack up Stonewall, stuff at Stonewall, all before school. What what you don't know is that the Yale admissions office is actually in the UK. And that explains their hours. This is all done before 8 (laughs) o'clock. It's high school. This is all done before like Mm 7.15. Okay, but just imagine how many pots of coffee Archie has already brewed before he got into Veronica's bedroom. 20. Yeah, he's already been to the construction site. Been to the center, left one for mom. Yep. Hermosa's all like, again, you're going to be late for school. And I understand how hard it is. I'd get lost in those abs, too. And then the best little moment of, like, Archie, like, pulling the covers up and Veronica also being, like, pull those up to your chin (laughs) happened. It's very good. It's Uh, very, very good. Archie says something. I don't remember what it was, but it was really funny. Oh, well, this is the first time he's met Hermosa. Oh, yeah. Like, have I met you? (laughs) Veronica's like, oh, yeah, this is my sister. (laughs) Armosa's all like, I know why you're not going to go to college. You're under investigation. Mm-hmm. Man. And so she's holding that above her head as like a little threat. I'm going to go tell Poppy that you're, you're, you've been a naughty girl. Yeah. Yeah. Alice, being the asshole she is, uh-huh. also interviews FP well, she, as sheriff. She has to get up-to-date information <laughs> regarding the investigation. I'm sorry, I'm pretty sure they would not let the father of the murdered person do the investigation first off. That comes up later. But yes, you are right. Uh, and so... I mean, he's obviously broken up about it. He's trying to remain, you know, uh, uh, detached, dispassionate, talking about the facts the way he would any other open case. But... You see it in his eyes, in, in, like, his stubble. He clearly can't. Yeah. And he does, like, 
kind of catch up with the stuff that we know. The rock. Blood force trauma yeah. to the head. Uh, uh, we do find out that it was Dr. Curdle Jr. Like I said, I totally recognized his wrist. Uh-huh. I'm really good at these things. And uh, Alice asks, so you suspect foul play? You know, unlike all those... Other cases of blunt force trauma to the head and a bloody rock is found. You know, that that happened naturally. <laughs> yeah. He he says that he has a lead. He's just waiting for a warrant. Mm-hmm. But doesn't say anything else. Then we cut directly to him carrying out that warrant. Which is for Donna. He's rummaging through her things in Donna and Joan's room. He got a tip. That she has something that belonged to Jughead as she's, like, denying it. Oh, I don't have anything of that, boys. He finds the tie pin. Mm -hmm. He's like, what you doing with this? And she's all, he threw it in our face when he got expelled. I just forgot. And, like, he's pushing back on that because you just, really? Really? But she immediately, like, flips the switch. Tears out. Yes. We were afraid. We were afraid of Betty. This is when Betty finally gets her her real accusation. Uh, She accuses that Betty would do to them like she did to Jughead. It's all like, you know, Brett and I saw them. We were like sneaking into the woods to do teenage things like teenagers do. Yeah, quote, do what teenagers do, which on this show is literally anything. You mean do psychedelics and play D&D? Is that what teenagers do? Murder? (laughs) We're gonna do what teenagers do and open a speakeasy. Fight a bear? (laughs) I I have questions. Uh, She claims that they saw Betty holding the rock and she was with her friends, I think their names were Veronica and Archie? I'm not sure. I'm like, you bitch, you know. So then we cut immediately again. We, we just keep following FP hard cut to hard cut. Yes. As he interrupts homeroom, I guess, to deliver Looks yet like, another. I thought it was the science lab. Ah, whatever. It's High counters. <laughs> To, to deliver yet another uh, uh, flash why forward. Sign, like, why do you have to stand up in science class? Those counters also have sinks and they have gas lines for the Bunsen burners. They can make those smaller. But then you'd have to have cutouts for your knees as you slide up. It's just more efficient. Why can't they have stools? They do have stools. Why are they always standing around then and no one's sitting? Looks better on camera. Hmm. In any case, they get arrested. They get arrested. <laughs> They do. He, he kicks down the door and arrests them for the cold-blooded murder of my son. And I'm pretty sure the New York Criminal Code does not list cold-blooded murder as a separate charge. <laughs> uh, and so as they are being uh, led out, Betty is saying to Veronica and Archie, this is their move. Mm-hmm. We knew they would do it. It's fine. They're going to start tripping up. Which is very suspicious. Very I incriminating. Say. And there's like cops all around <laughs> who's listening. Um, um, It's nice to know that FP finally hired some people to help him. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, there finally is a dead person this season in town. Yeah. So. Uh, so over at Pops, Alice is interviewing Pop Tate. Yes. Uh, and Pop he- Tate gets to talk about the angel of death again. Like he, nothing specifically happens to Pop Tate, but he's always the one with perspective, I guess. Uh, he talks about how he's been serving up milkshakes for generations, he and his family. Uh, and he loves Riverdale. It's his home, but it's painful to see his home suffer mm-hmm. the way that it does. 
And you just like, I just need a spinoff about Pop Tate. That would be really sad. (laughs) (laughs) It's just Pop Tate, like, stuck behind the counter, not able to do anything more than than lend a kind ear to a bunch of teens that don't want to talk to him as they go and destroy their lives. Okay, what if it was a spinoff, though, where people actually listen and Pop Tate (laughs) just gives advice like Mr. Rogers? I was going to say Wilson from Home Improvement. That as well. (laughs) Yep, I'd be fine with that. So FP locks up the trio. It's all like, I'm going to question you one-on-one. This is what's going to happen. And And so Veronica's first with Hiram in the room because they do not have a lawyer? No. Uh, And so he's all like, you know, when was the last time you saw Jughead? And Hiram's all... She doesn't need to talk to you about that. And then it's FP with Archie and Mary. Who is doing the proper lawyer thing and saying, you don't have to say shit, boy. You keep your mouth shut. Yes, and just playing straight up lawyer the whole time. Very Mm -hmm. good. FP objects because you you said that to the last 20 questions and Mary responds because it's true. Legally, he doesn't have to give you anything. Yeah. So take that. I'm a lawyer. I'm much better at this. (laughs) <laughs> but but Alice is next, of course, uh, there with Betty, and she thinks she's the best parent because she got five minutes alone, no sheriff, no deputies, no cameras, to be like, okay, Betty, I know you did it, spill. And what Betty's like, what the fuck, Mom? You're so supportive. Like, oh, Alice, I, I know you didn't mean it, but come on, you totally did I, it. I know you were driven by rage. <laughs> uh, FP has proof, and it's fine. You know, I was expecting I this. I was expecting this. I can't help you unless you tell me. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh my god. Alice is fully admitting that she has expected her child to kill another human being at some point in her life. <laughs> at least this one. Is definitely when you start counting down the days and marking off the calendar until your 18th birthday and you can blow this pop stand. This pop stand. Nice. So FP comes in uh, and they got the test results back from the rock. It's corn syrup, motherfucker. And so everyone is free to go. And then over at Stonewall, uh, Brett is playing some video games. Like, with the ascendancy of Donna as the dangerous one, Brett has slid back to being sort of a lovable moron, and I like it. Yeah. Not entirely lovable, but we're making steps toward it. He just wants to play video games and not do the murder anymore. Yes. Uh, And Donna comes busting in, letting him know that they were all released and The Rock was negative, and I don't know how that's possible because we watched Jonathan smear Jughead's blood on it. Mm-hmm. So Betty must have switched it, or they're all lying. Or maybe both. Who knows? But yeah, things are fraying at the edges, and Donna is very serious about it. Brett's not. He does not care. <laughs> okay, it's fine. So that night... At three in the morning, Betty is woken up by a call from Donna. Fifteen minutes before her alarm would have gone off. Yes. Very rude. Uh, And Donna's all like, you're too confident. Uh, The rock was real. So, like, you're all doing something. You're working with Jughead's dad. And this is when Betty should have been like, click, turn on my phone recorder. She's all like, Jughead isn't dead, is he? She's like, well, you saw a body, but I didn't see his face. 
I didn't, didn't look into the it. cold, dead eyes of Forsyth Pendleton Jones III. You're just trying to buy time. So this whole 3 a.m. call just has the whiff of, like, a, a sniffing Adderall for an all-night study session. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Donna's crazy. Donna's a bit crazy. She's a little obsessed. Th- this whole discovering the body plan seems to have put Donna squarely on the bl- back foot, and she doesn't like it. No. Uh, And so the next morning, Betty goes up to FP and is all like, okay, I think it's time. We should have a funeral and a public Mm -hmm. wake. Mm -hmm. This might help bring closure. And he's all like, okay, if you want to do it, fine. Mm -hmm. He's not in a place to do this. Right. But he does seem to appreciate the gesture. Yeah. He's just in no place to like do the arrangements. He he cannot handle it himself. Yeah. And I'm just kind of like, was no one else thinking about this? (laughs) It's been at least two days. Also, has anyone informed Jughead's mom? Yeah, where's Gladys? Of, of all the, the characters, like, hey, it's good to see you. Gladys like, isn't in it. It's been at least like a week. Since he was declared missing and now days since yeah. he was found dead. So you think they would, you know, track her down. So over at the lodges, Hermosa, uh, of course, is going after Veronica about how she's a jailbird. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and hands her a fake passport and uh, airline ticket in case she wants to make a run for it. But it's not just of, of Veronica. It's of no. her, her blonde bombshell alter ego. Yes. When did she go get photos taken in the wig? <laughs> she had to have done that for an ID to be able to get into the jail. You know, you're right. You're right. This show is airtight, actually. Yeah. Absolutely bulletproof. Yeah. Uh, Veronica's like... Fuck you. You're not running me out of town. Tears it up in her face. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Because to leave town now would be to to forfeit the rum game and all of daddy's love, I guess. There's no love. No. No. He has no heart. Uh, so Archie goes to the center, and they're supposed to have a big class, but there's only three kids there. And he's like, where is everyone? They're like, oh, well, they all heard you're a murderer. And Archie says, I'm not. And they all leave anyway. <laughs> The but end. If you say so, they literally say if you say so <laughs> and leave. It's so good. So I guess Archie's, it's good that he didn't uh, sell the construction company. Yeah. Alice is now interviewing Tony. Because Jughead was one of her close friends for yes. all of season two. Yes. And this scene really reminds you that Tony hasn't hung out with anyone but Cheryl since she started dating Cheryl. She used to, well, no, she, she hung out with, like, Fangs and Kevin a little li- to make tickle little, videos. Yeah, but, man, I understand the people who want Tony to leave Cheryl because of, you know, the, the gaslighting and outright stated abuse. Yeah. But I think it would be fun just so she has a reason to interact with any other characters more often. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so she she talks about how Jughead and her spent one night together that really cemented their friendship. And, and then, then the camera... Just a pan over to the left. And we see Cheryl's there. C- camera right, but yes. And she's all like, I'm not threatened. And so Alice <laughs> asks about her feelings about Jughead. And she, she just kind of sits there. And she's like, <laughs> finally says... I'm sorry I called him a hobo that one time. (laughs) And And Alice just sort of pauses and then presses for more. Like, that's it? And she's like, 
I'm really sorry I called him a hobo that one time. See, this is what I mean. This is what I mean about, like, there are just tiny moments of absolute character perfection. That was it. That when, was it right there. When the guy in the big chair get, gets a, a episode with his name on it. Yes. Yes. I'm also like, this is a throwback to so long so, ago. That was like episode four or five. Yes. I love it. So it is uh, now the funeral. Betty has uh, used all her party planning skills and gotten to this together very yes. fast. She's wearing the puff sleeves of mourning. It's very cute. I like it. Yeah. As far as funeral dresses go. Uh, Sweet Pea is there. Sweet Pea. Sweet Pea. We haven't like... seen Sweet Pea in so long. And he's the funeral bouncer. Because <laughs> Brett and Donna show up and I, he's going to beat their shit. self-appointed funeral bouncer. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. He is not going to let anyone mess with his buddy's funeral. No, not at all. Don, of course, is making a lot of noise about it being a, a closed casket funeral. That's pretty unusual, huh? Because she's expecting it to be empty. It's a lie. He's alive. Yeah. Uh, and Betty uh, sets her straight that the uh, funeral parlor didn't even want them to have the casket, which I don't really understand. Also, but his skull was caved in. Does nobody bring that, that. up? That. That's what we really got to worry about. Why doesn't anybody mention that? It uh, would be a horrific, well, gruesome sight. Betty says, but it's serpent tradition. And I'm like, to I have think the casket there. Most funerals are. Serpents are never cremated. <laughs> um, serpents aren't even embalmed. Little known fact, serpents are Jewish. <laughs> so uh, Betty lets them know that if they make a scene, she's going to throw their ass out. Mm-hmm. And Sweepy's going to help. And that happens exactly not long after. FP goes up to talk about how things weren't always easy. D delivering a eulogy. Yes. Yes. But Jughead was always this loving and loyal and long list. Yes. Until he is brought to tears and has to leave because he cannot continue. And it is heartbreaking. We, we have, of course, crowd shots. We see uh, uh, jelly beans there. We need to protect FP at all costs. Uh, Cheryl is wearing a, a red sequins to the funeral. And a nice um, hat with like... Big black veil. Yes. Yes, of course she is. Uh, so when FP... A lot leaves... of serpents wearing their colors, of course. Yeah. So when FP leaves, uh, Betty goes up. Because Jughead was a fan of crime fiction and detective stories, she reads a passage from The Final Problem. Originally intended to be the final home story, the one that introduces Moriarty and ends with the two of them going off Reichenbach Falls to their mutual deaths. Mm -hmm. First off, uh, public domain, smart use. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Second... Later revealed that Holmes faked his own death <laughs> and survived while taking down his enemies through this plan. Huh. Okay. Uh -huh. All right. Uh -huh. That part's over. FP is... Well, I got confused because I thought, like, they were back at the house, but then the casket's there, so I'm not... The funeral's at the house. Is it at the house? Yes. Okay. I got confused about that. I thought they were at a <laughs> funeral parlor. And then I was like, but now they're at the house. But now they're not. I'm I don't know where we because are. Because the funeral's at the house. Okay. And this next scene takes place in the kitchen of the house. That's, I know that. Yeah. But then I was very confused about where the casket was. In the living room of the house. Don't like that. Uh, so FP is drinking. Mm -hmm. So we know things are bad. We things are bad. 
Uh, and Hiram is there, and he at first you think he's going to be very like nice and supportive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and but instead, he brings up the very reasonable uh, idea that the FP take a leave of absence during this case because it's clearly too close to home. He he can't do his best work, and this investigation deserves the best possible attention. Yeah, but all he says is, maybe you should take a leave from being sheriff. Yeah, the subtext that FP picks up on is this is a polite way to, t- to fire him is very, very legible subtext. Yep. It's not an unreasonable conclusion. Uh, so he tells Hiram to go to hell, and, and that he, he quits. quits. I'm not going to give you what you want. I'm going to give you what you want. <laughs> He's had a little to drink. Uh, so out in the living room, Donna is accosting Jelly Bean with, yes. you must miss him. When was the last time you saw him? He's not really dead, right? Because if Jughead's not dead, then he has to, to be reaching out to his little sister. And she's the one most likely to crack because she's like, what, four or anything? I don't think Donna's good with kids. Jellybean's the least likely to crack <laughs> yeah, and will she take don't... everything to her grave and will murder people. Yeah, yeah, Jellybean ain't no snitch. Jellybean survived the Gargoyle King. You have misjudged her. Uh, and so Betty jumps in and is like, you know, leave her alone. Get out. Bitch, I'm done with you. <laughs> yes. And so... Starts to lead them out and then Donna yells to Brett... Open it, and Brett lunges for the coffin. He, he gets the flowers off the, off flowers. the top before yeah. uh, before Sweet Pea grabs him and drags him away. Yes, <laughs> and, and he's then, about like, to like knock his lights out, and Brett's like, "No, no, she said it. It's not me." <laughs> and like Archie's like right there too. Yeah. Like everyone is gonna beat the shit out of him. He's such a little fancy lad. He's never faced consequences in his life. And he doesn't know how to do it. All he knows is pass the buck and smug. That's all he knows. That's why his face when Archie came rushing him like a freight train last week was so good. Yes. So over at the lodges, Hermosa is all, you know, I did some investigating and I found out that the three of you all told different stories about what happened that night. Mm -hmm. And then we find out that she went... To Mary for legal help. Yes. And got her talking. And then she went to Alice with a casserole to p- pay her condolences and got her talking. And, and she was just sort of around when yeah. Veronica was talking. <laughs> uh, and so she's like, I want the truth or I sit everyone down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hermosa, is she in the club? What does she know? What is there to know? We don't know. But I do appreciate that we get a demonstration of what's dangerous about Hermosa. Mm-hmm. Instead of she just, mmm, I'm going to get you. She's actually doing things. Yeah. yeah. Thank, thank you. Uh, so Betty's hanging out at the Blue and Gold. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Kevin uh, comes in. Is it true? Is Jughead alive? Everyone is saying he's alive? Betty asks, who's saying that? And he says, everyone, you know, everyone. (laughs) Literally everyone. But the rumor sort of caught wildfire because of Donna at the funeral. Yes. Planted the idea in everybody's head. Yes. Alice now interviews Kevin. Mm -hmm. Who's filming this? She she is asking him about uh, why these stories are gaining such traction. Mm -hmm. And he's all like, you know, it's because we want to think it's true. 
And he tells this story about before he was really friends with Jughead uh, in school, they read Tom Sawyer and Jughead was really into it when he faked his own death. To attend his own funeral. Mm -hmm. And he was always like, man, that'd be a cool thing to do. (laughs) If everybody who liked that chapter faked their own death, then I don't know, there'd be a lot of life insurance fraud. If only it was the 1800s. Uh, so Alice is now interviewing Reggie, mm-hmm. and uh, Reggie's real broken up about he, this. He is angered by the rumors, and it really pisses him off. And she's like, "That's because you miss your friend." And he's like, "No, that weirdo pulled off the best senior prank <laughs> and topped me." <laughs> Reggie bringing some much needed perspective to to the proceedings. I love it. I love it. He is mad that Jughead faked his own death. Pulled the best senior prank. <laughs> and that he didn't think about this. This is this is the show that I want it to be all the time. It's so good. It's so it's, good. Like, if every episode just had these little tiny moments just, of everyone else. Just pepper them in just a little bit. Like, all they need is a line here and there. Because the actors can do it. They just don't get it. And I'm sure a lot of it is just, like, left on the cutting room floor because they... Uh, have so much plot in only 44 minutes. I get it. But when you finally let us have it. Oh. It's so good. Then we get another one of the flash forwards that we've caught up with, which <laughs> is in Pops, where Betty is talking about how she just can't keep doing it and can't keep going on. And Archie is and comforting Archie her. Archie comforts her with a hand on her hand. But then. And now we've run out. That's all of them. Then we see a new, a new part. Yes. Like what comes next is Cheryl is in a booth. Which I do appreciate about all of all the flash forwards when we get to them have new information we didn't have before. Yes. We didn't see everything. That's true to every single one. And in this case, it's Cheryl eavesdropping because I guess Cheryl is still being Betty's shadow. Yes. She's making sure no suicide. So at school the next day, it seems that Cheryl has put up a memorial on Jughead's locker. Because this is going to help Betty somehow. It, so, yeah, it's, it's covered in flowers and pictures and messages. I mean, like, I get... There's, like, a purse in there. I don't know why. Not... That's not Jughead's purse. Are you sure it's not his tote bag from before? Oh, yeah, maybe. He had that one tote bag that he used to carry. My initial thought was that it was Cheryl's way, because Betty was saying that she can't handle everyone, like, thinking he's alive, etc. It was Cheryl's way of trying to make the school accept the fact that he's dead. Yeah, yeah. Because if you're going to talk about him still being alive next to that, you're a big asshole. Yes. But that, when Betty sees it, she has to she run down the hall. turns and rushes. It's, it's overwhelming. And Archie finds her in the music room. Oh, no. Not the music room. It's only used for sex. Don't touch anything. Oh, my God. None of it's sanitary. And so he comforts her and is all like, you know, I know it's hard. You're not alone. She's like, I just want to feel good for, like, even a few moments. And then there's a moment of weakness. Betty. And an embrace. Smooches. And tonsil hockey. Archie. There is Barchy for a moment. And Cheryl is peeping through the window like Filming other people have thing. done to Archie in the music room. Oh, yes. Yes, taking pictures. Uh, and she texts it to everyone. Literally everyone. It goes in the whole school group DM. It all goes down in the group DM. 
And I love the way Cheryl is like, oh, I can't believe this happened. It'll be devastating if anybody ever finds out. Oh, woe, woe is me to be this, the sad messenger. <laughs> it's so good. And then Cheryl marches into the bathroom where Veronica is. And she's like, you know, I had this text drafted to you, but I had to tell you in person. Veronica's all like, well, just tell me we're Maple Partners. <laughs> Cheryl says, quote, prepare yourself for devastation. And Veronica replies, Cheryl, come on. We're Maple Partners. <laughs> like that means anything. They're partners. That's not a real thing. Uh, maple Partnership. And so Cheryl shows her the picture and Veronica goes storming into the student lounge and yes. she's like, how could you in the music room where I had you? It's your special place. That's where you take all your ladies. And he lit and she lists all the ladies, <laughs> including Grundy. And and uh, everyone's like, oh, I thought we were ever going to talk about that. again." Two of three pussycats. We're just waiting on Melody to collect the, to finish the set. <laughs> Uh, and she tears into Archie that he took advantage of vulnerable Betty and that she doesn't blame Betty. It's not her fault. But Betty stands up and she takes the blame. She kissed Archie. And we have finally hit the bestie quest combo breaker. Ever since episode one, they have not been this angry at each other. She's like, you scheming two-faced bitch you deserve each other burn in hell and she storms out and tony's just sitting there like you tell him girl <laughs> so good so good yeah so then alice is interviewing kevin what the fuck this is such a strange cul-de-sac for this true crime documentary to take so like, it's she doesn't care about who killed who it's about who kissed who now well i mean and it's your own daughter you monster kevin's the only person at this point who will agree to an interview because <laughs> he's with her he can't leave the cameras and it's the only thing he wants to talk about <laughs> And so she asks him, you know, how he feels about the kiss. And, and he's like, you know. this is the most metatextual scene in Riverdale history. He uses terms of closeted Barchi fans. Yes. And uh, uh, closeted Barchi stands. Oh, stands. Yes. And she's like, do you stand them? She, she asks, it looks like you're one of those stands. Yes. <laughs> and he talks about how a lot of people didn't support Bughead. Because Barchi was destiny. Mm -hmm. And he's like, but if this this proves one thing, that Drughead is actually dead. Because I know Betty, and Betty's not crazy enough to date Archie if Drughead's still around. <laughs> <laughs> I love the idea that either Veronica just has absolutely poor taste in men, at least in Kevin's <laughs> opinion. Or that she kind of wishes she could get with Drughead, but he's taken. Yeah. <laughs> Both of those are hilarious. Just like, they're, no. She's in <laughs> grief and because he's really dead, and that's the only reason she's going after those abs. Because the rest of it, not worth it. Archie from the neck up, not great. Actually, that's not true. Archie from the skull in, not that great. <laughs> so Donna shows up at the blue and gold. Don't you have homework, woman? Don't you have anything else to do? <laughs> Uh, and she's all, you might have everyone fooled, but not me. Jughead's alive. Can can a restraining order be big, part of the, the big anti-Donna plan? Could that help this scheme? And Veronica, or Betty's all, you know, you're obsessed. Can you just chill? 
and she's like, I saw your sex tape. You two go- can't go two hours without doing it. So I know it's only a matter of time before you go have sex. Like, that is not the way you refute a charge of obsession. I'm not obsessed with you. I just watched your sex tape over and over again. And I've counted how many times you've had sex in, you know, our school. (laughs) So I know that on average, it takes this long and this is how often you do it. And you prefer these positions. Also, I found a mole and I think you should talk to your dermatologist. (laughs) Not obsessed, though. Definitely not obsessed. So Betty is, is with Alice. Mm-hmm. Straight to camera. Alice asked, you know, when did you figure out that Donna was following you? And she's <laughs> like, well, I f- it was pretty easy. Been because going she's on for a, a while. lunatic. And so Betty talks about how uh, she has been going to Dilton's bunker every night. And that bum, started bum, a bum. while ago. And so she would stop at Pops and get food and, and she, then go to and- the woods alone. <laughs> And as she's describing this, we're seeing it, and and Betty gets two huge bulging bags out of Pops. I don't know how she doesn't, like, drop them as she picks up the the giant valve clamp lid to the sex bunker, the sex hole. Um, Literally, the only restaurant in town, if you're going nightly. Yeah, it's open 24 hours, the sign says. And Donna's, like, peering around a car. Mm-hmm. And then, like, and then behind a tree, and then behind a tree, and watches Betty go into the sex hole, and then Donna goes down into the sex hole, and she like jumps out with a flashlight, and is like, "Aha!" And she sees Betty and Archie having a good time. They're in the preliminary stages of giving the sex hole its name, and she's like, "Gotcha!" And she like looks around frantically because that's not Jughead, and Betty yells that she's a pervert, <laughs> and Donna runs out. <laughs> What kind of audience is Alice expecting to get with this film? <laughs> Who is she pitching to? Uh, and then Alice asks Betty, well, when did this start with you and Archie? And Tell me about your sex life, daughter. <laughs> to the camera. The sex life that I've been denying exists for three years. And she's like, well, mom, I need to tell you something off the record. Bum, bum, bum. And this is when I really thought she was going to say, I'm pregnant. Oh, that would have been great. But she's not. That we know of. Not in this episode. So then Alice is now talking to the camera about this is no longer a story about murder. It is a story about friendship and conspiracy and cover up. And how they dovetail together. Veronica and Archie are in bed. Mm-hmm. And they're like, hey. It worked. Our performance worked. Yeah, uh, they, they congratulate one another on their acting skills. Veronica uh, gives a shout out to the Helen Mirren Masterclass. Big ups to Helen Mirren. We couldn't do Riverdale without you. Yeah. We dedicate this episode of Sex Archie to Helen Mirren. But then Veronica's like, you know, when you when you kissed her, you didn't feel anything, right? Mm. Oh. And Archie's all like, you're the only girl for me. And then we go to Betty in, in the, the sex bunker. Hole. And then Jughead pops up. Jughead is in her hole. And he was hiding in the sex bunker, like I thought, or the sex bunker of death. That is the quote. He calls it the sex bunker of death. Uh, Under the cot, as Archie and Betty were pretending to make out to trick the Stonies to make them think he was dead. 
Bum, bum, bum. Jughead's not dead, everybody. He's not dead. Most of our predictions were true. The only ones that weren't are the ones where we covered our asses just in case he really was dead. Last week, I really just didn't know. I was convinced for weeks before. No, he's not going to be dead. He's not going to be dead. He not This whole season, I'm like, he's not going to be dead. Mm-hmm. Last episode, I was like, I don't fucking know. <laughs> he might be dead. That might be why FP's leaving. I don't know. I mean, yeah, the, the devil's breath really throws a, a, a wrench in there because anything could have happened mm-hmm. in, in those minutes of, of blackout. Yes. Uh, but Jughead is there. They are very cute and bug bugheady. Betty says, God bless that beanie for cushioning the blow. Mm-hmm. The beanie saved his life. It's the <laughs> only reason he's not dead. And then she tells him to close his eyes and hold out his hand and... She puts a new beanie in his hand, Mm -hmm. which he immediately puts on. It is definitely like a different beanie. It is made differently. It has a slightly different shape. It's stiffer. It doesn't have the the patches sewn in the side. I think the the type of uh, stitch is different. But he, he's overwhelmed by like the, the gesture and oh you didn't have to do this and like that's okay she didn't knit it or anything she just bought it from Hot Topic it's fine no no no, no. she <laughs> says everyone has a different way to manage stress I taught myself how to knit and I'm like dang girl you did good every that it's has all- to be her first hat Darling, yes I love you I own so many of your knitted things and I I wear them all the time. Your first hat was garbage. Oh, God. My first. It was so bad. My first, like, 10 projects were shit. Because the thing that no one understands when you start, like, knitting and crocheting is your hands have to learn tension. Mm-hmm. You have to learn your proper tension. Yeah. And so anytime someone starts to learn how to do these things, they go back and forth between having really tight tension and really loose. And there's like no way to control it without just learning how to do it naturally. Mm -hmm. And so everything just kind of weaves in and out and in and out. (laughs) Uh, Most people also start with really awful yarn, which I definitely did as well. Mm -hmm. I've gotten better. You you replaced it with your second or third hat pretty quick. And and I was much happier with that. (laughs) Yes. And then I've learned to like put like extra layers in there to keep your ears warm. I got a thing about cold ears. It's true. I am thoughtful. So anyways, a Jughead asks, uh, you know, do you think telling your mom was a good idea? So we find out that that is what Betty was coming clean to her mom about off record. Mm -hmm. And uh, she's all like, well, yeah, you know, FP's in on it. Jellybean was in on it. Dr. Curdle Jr., Mary, fucking everybody in town. Hermosa by the end. Yes. Like, there's a whole super list of people who knew, Mm -hmm. probably even more than we know. (laughs) And yeah, I have to tell her. So we can talk about the fact that she thinks I would have done it. (laughs) Jughead also asked Betty a very similar question, like Archie asked Veronica, of like, did you feel anything? And that's one of the surprisingly relatable teenage moments. Like, there there aren't a lot of things these kids do that feel very teenage-y anymore, after all the growing up they've had to do because of all the trauma and crime. Yeah. Uh, But it's very reminiscent of, like, a couple doing the school play, but but they aren't the characters that smooch and like oh oh no like it's mm-hmm. so it's so very honestly teenagey. Yes, wrapped up in this bizarre fake double murder plot. Yes. So then, uh, Veronica is with Alice. 
who's interviewing her about her amazing performance, mm-hmm. she's all like, are you scared that it would have sparked something between them? She's no. like, no, bitch, I trust them. Are you scared that you're committing the, the details of this conspiracy to camera before you've actually closed the book on Donna and co? Maybe that. Maybe, maybe we should be scared about that. Maybe you don't take notes on a criminal fucking conspiracy. But you can see doubt in Veronica's eyes, even though she's like, no, I trust them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we go to Archie and Betty, who are in their bedrooms, and they are texting each other. When they could just stand in the window and, and just, shout. like, lip-read, I guess. Uh, and Betty's Do all... charades. Betty's like, thanks for the help. Hope I wasn't a bad kisser. And Archie says, laugh out loud, happy to help. <laughs> yes, and he then, says laugh out loud. LOL. <laughs> That's what it means. And... Changes his mind about including any time. Yeah, I'd do that any time. Like, mm, look at Archie trying to de-escalate, recognizing that he's about to make a mistake and then preventing himself. It's almost like he's growing up. Our little boys come so far, but they keep texting, and there are smileys, and there are hearts, and there's like, oh. Also, romance through texting is another of the more relatably teenage things. Yeah. So Alice interviews Betty, Veronica, and Archie about the lengths they went to to convince the Riverdale population of Jughead's death. Yes. Uh, and Betty's all like, well, if we didn't, they were going to pin the murder on me. Mm-hmm. So Betty's kind of scary. Yeah. She's very intense in this. She's all like, you know, we're still in battle with them, but they're going to crack. I mean, they have to, right? Come on, come on. It's gotta happen. It's, it's not like Donna has any resources or any history digging up videotapes. Uh, so over at Stonewall, Donna busts into Brett's room and he's playing video games again. Donna's fucking unhinged and I love it. She's screaming Jeez. about burgers. There's proof he's alive. I saw the bunker with Archie and, and Betty was there and they were having sex, but there's proof... Because she had Pop's takeout and Jughead's alive. Because Jughead loves Pop so much. It's eh? his favorite place. He always went on about it. And Brett's just like, what were there? Three burgers? Like, Archie's a big guy. I bet he can pound back a few. Forget about the burger. (laughs) It's so good. (laughs) Just the way she's, she's like trying to scream his head through the wall. Forget about about the burger. It was the milkshakes! There were three of them! There were three milkshakes. No matter how many burgers you eat, nobody drinks more than one milkshake. What if they wanted chocolate, vanilla, and shamrock shake? What if they were having a third? You don't know it's Jughead. Maybe they made up with Veronica in a big way. And Brett's like, chill, we killed him, he's dead, it's fine. And she slaps the living fuck out of him. Yes. And tells him to not ever tell her what to do again, that she is the brains. Uh, and he better watch his step or else he's going to wind up like Jonathan. Bum, bum, and bum. may he rest in peace. Yeah. Where's Jonathan, Donna? Where's Jonathan? They killed Jonathan. Right after he got a name. So rude. I called him Jonathan. You should be proud of him. I'm so proud of you for calling him Jonathan. It's only respectful since he's dead. We will all remember Jamamathan and his many sacrifices. (laughs) 
Watch out, Joan. That's all I can say. Watch out, Joan. They're coming for you next. Armosa comes to see Veronica and she's like, so I did some digging and you're lucky I'm good at it. There's so much epilogue in this episode. Like you'd think Jughead's Alive would be the end, but there's so much business to take care of. Uh, And she hands Veronica an envelope and Veronica takes that to Archie and Betty and Jughead in the bunker. In the sex hole. It is uh, information on Donna. And she hands it to them, and they look at it, and, and Jughead's all like, like "This is the missing piece. This is what we need." He he is so happy to have this information, and he walks over to pin it on the board. We never see what it is. End of the episode. See you next week. Well, he says, "I think I know how to take them down." Bum bum bum. That is what happens. So, darling, what did you think of Chapter Seventy Two? To die for. So much happened. So much happened. This is a big one. Um, I. Really liked it. I love this episode. I loved that we saw characters we haven't seen in a long time. I love that they came together. I love that they were included. I love that we referenced things from really old episodes. I love that we saw friendships happening. Like, Mm -hmm. those friendships that were created that we haven't seen in a long time are just, they still exist in this world. There's jokes in this one. It has jokes in it. Yes. That doesn't happen all the time. (gasps) Especially in an episode that's about a funeral. You wouldn't think there's going to be jokes. Unless we... Hugh Grant is involved. I also really like the development of Donna. Yes. I am very glad Jughead's not dead. Mm-hmm. And I like that my suspicions were true. Because <laughs> I was thinking, what if he's in the bunker? Donna might be my favorite multi-episode villain. Yeah. Because I loved Warden Norton when he went off the deep end, but that was one episode. Yeah. And no one likes Miss Grundy. No, no, no. Black Hood on the phone had some good moments, but I honestly think I like Donna better. Because it was all about the lollipop, lollipop, The ringtone is the number one villain. What ringtone would Betty set for Donna? Because you know she has I'm a bitch, I'm a lover, I'm a child. Yeah. Because she's constantly calling Donna a bitch every single scene. I feel like it needs to be something, though, that says, like, you're a bitch. <laughs> yeah, it was what I, 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 I feel energized. This is the sort of episode we do this show for. Yes. I mean, it, it didn't have something crazy out of left field happen. The, the things you expected to happen did, but in very pleasing ways. I like that we consider... Jughead not being dead and hiding in the sex bunker, not out of left field. <laughs> that word is like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's to be expected. It was actually the most reasonable thing to expect. Yes. With a little bit of like genre savvy, you know, this is how TV production and contracts work applied to it. Mm-hmm. There's still a third of the season left. Again, they had me convinced last week with Skeet Altrich's, like, leaving the show coming out. I was like, oh my god, it's true. Yeah. If his son's dead, he has no reason to be there. (laughs) (laughs) We'll we'll talk a bit more about what we expect to happen later, of course. But there is a third of the season done, and the murder seems pretty well settled. There wasn't one. A third of the season's done? 
Or do you mean a third of the season left? A third of the, a third of the season is remaining, but the big thing that it's all been leading to is mostly resolved. There's some some eyes to dot and T's to cross, but Jughead's not dead. We we have the the people who wanted him to be dead uh, in the corner uh, with some dirt on them. There's not seven or so episodes left to ring out of that. But where's Jonathan? What's up with the videotape guy? What's up with Charles and Chicken Evelyn? Exactly. Where's Edgar? I, I think that this is going to to open, you know, act three of season four, where we, we get to the big stuff in the background. So remember how I used to do my Instagram What segment? are the teens up to? Yeah. So I saw one prediction. Yeah. That I guess I can share now because it's not actually my own prediction. Okay. Tell us what the teens are up to. Blast from the past, baby. Someone was like, what if Mary's girlfriend and the new coach for cheerleading are part of the farm (laughs) and they're trying to like get in yeah with more parts of riverdale Uh, i don't know what if i don't know i just thought it was interesting yeah okay Okay. trust no one no outsider is is to be believed no one trust no one what if principal honey is the new edgar what if who knows what if that's edgar's brother (laughs) you know i'd buy it for like TV brothers, it's close enough. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that means Evelyn's his sister-in-law. Oh, I wouldn't want her in my family. <laughs> well, darling, it is time for us to to turn our gaze away from the screen, to unplug, to to deconnect, and to enjoy the printed page. The printed page. It is time to check our sources. Oh boy. So we are going to continue talking about the the. Ch- Archie multiverse sort of era of Archie comics uh, with Archie the Married Life 10th anniversary. This is written by Michael Uslin, Uslin, one of those, uh, with art by, once again, the the classic Dan Parent, who we just met a week ago. Yeah, or again. Less than a week ago, actually. Last weekend. Yeah. We met him before. Yes. Dan Parent <laughs> is a, a regular attendee of the Chicago Comic and Entertainment Expo as a expositor yeah as are we as attendees yes uh in fact he signed the first issue of this series for me he's a nice boy but archie the married life 10th anniversary is a sort of continuation of archie the married life Mm -hmm. which is set you know shortly after high school uh issues are split where in, in one half of each issue we follow the married life of archie and veronica in the other half we follow the married life of archie and betty yeah. As some things are the same between the two Riverdales and some things are divergent. And they both conclude with the, the death of Archie special. Yes. This is a slightly different uh, uh, telling of that story set around the 10th anniversary of both of these couples. Mm-hmm. One big difference, Archie's not dead. Archie's not dead. <laughs> Archie's not dead. Uh, one thing I appreciated is that they show Kevin is working as an emergency nurse or an EMT. Whoa. But that explains why Archie isn't dead. Kevin never went into politics. No one's trying to assassinate Kevin. Yeah. So Archie doesn't take the assassin's bullet for Kevin. Yeah. That's why Archie's alive. But this book... Uh, it's not Kevin's fault. It's not Kevin's fault, but, you know, butterfly effects. That's how it goes. Yeah. The the original story got a lot of attention, got a lot of acclaim, and we've talked on this show about how much we enjoyed the death of Archie special that it concludes in. Yes. 
the 10th anniversary series, I don't think is very good, actually. <laughs> for, for Archie to have a 10th anniversary getting married right out of high school, he should be roughly our age. In fact, a little younger if they got married immediately out of high school. Yes. I do not quite a bit younger. I do not see myself or my generation in this Archie or Betty or Veronica or any of them. Do they own like a house? Well, I mean, the Veronica one does because oh, well, they, they inhabit sense. a very high-paying job. But like the first issue has Archie angry that his kids have cell phones at the table, and uh, he gets very he gets very kids these days. Oh, about it, like. Archie, you should have had a cell phone when you were in, like, seventh grade. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. L- little things like that. Also, I don't know if the inker is different or the workload is different, but honestly, I said a lot of nice things about Dan Parent's art in uh, Archie Meets Batman 66. Mm-hmm. I don't have that many nice things to say about it in uh, Married Life 10th Anniversary. It's a good thing you're saying this now and not last week. Right? Before you saw him. Yeah. Well, I believed it then, too, but I kept my mouth shut. Uh <laughs> There's just little distracting mistakes in uh, lines not necessarily connecting where they should. I'm not an art critic, and I don't have the book in front of me, but just there, there's a missing X factor that it, it just didn't work for me. Yeah. Essentially, it is an Archie story where all of the characters are angry at each other all the time. For a reason that is revealed in like issue four, I think, that is incredibly stupid. And then they just decide to be nice to each other, and it's all better. So the drama is is bad. It's yeah. bad. So you don't suggest it. I don't suggest reading The Married Life 10th Anniversary. No. The Married Life, check it out. We've said it before. Go read it. Enjoy it. The 10th Anniversary uh, uh, six-issue miniseries to follow, launching in 2016 and, and wrapping earlier this year, is not a, a worthy uh, follow-up to it. No. But I talk about it because, in fact, just like the, the married life, this is another story where there are two parallel worlds that interact in the science fiction vein of there are multiple worlds and, and sometimes they touch. Yeah. And it keeps coming up. I didn't mention uh, last week when we first talked about it why I think it's coming up, so I'm going to put that theory out now. Mm-hmm. I think that now that there is a struggle for what is the center of Archie comics, it, it was always like the the 40s through 2000s run of Archie. That, that was the center and everything else was a reference or a reinterpretation or, or something. Yeah. Now Riverdale is sort of eclipsing that p- place. There is a power struggle between what is the core of the Archie brand, and that struggle is being reflected in a whole lot of stories uh, about worlds colliding, about different interpretations existing in parallel and coming into contact with one another. Mm-hmm. While I, I don't think uh, the two stories in The Married Life uh, go as far as others with that conceit, it is part of the greater wave. Yeah. Anyhow, that's all I got to say about that book. Okay. And that brings us to a far more uh, popular, I think, or at least far more interactive segment. Yeah. Predictions! Predictions! What you got? What you got? I'm going to start with my prediction for what's in the envelope. What do we know about Donna? Or they know, and, and we are sure to find out. Okay, you want to know what I think? What do you think? Donna is a 45-year-old woman. Again? Again. 
Well, we were just talking about Evelyn, and she's yeah, again. She was like twenty nine or something in high school. Donna doesn't exist. How about that? Donna doesn't exist. She okay. For that? <laughs> again, like Mrs. Grundy. Yes, we're combining everything that's ever <laughs> happened. What I think is up with Donna. Donna is the granddaughter of Forsyth Pendleton Jones the first. She is a secret Jughead cousin. <gasps> and her whole motivation behind this is to claim the Baxter Brothers' legacy. She has to get rid of Jughead in order to become the sole heir. She has to get rid of Mr. Chipping in order to become the new writer. She has to get rid of Forsyth the first. I don't know, probably something related to that. Is she Soupneck? <laughs> Donna is cousin Soupneck? Yes. I would love it. I would love it if I'm right and they find a way to call her Soupneck. It's got to happen soon, right? <laughs> that should happen soon. I was kind of, one of my things I was thinking, I was like, you know, Berto was all like, have watched this episode with some soup. And I'm like, soup? Soup? Are we like Soupneck? Soup cu- cousin posing? Mm hmm. Identical cousin posing as Jughead who's not actually dead? What if, hmm. But what if she is Soupneck? What if she's Soupneck? It would make sense why she is so obsessed. Mm-hmm. What if that is true and the reason she's so obsessed with killing Jughead is that there's like some inheritance or something that she knows about? Right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Maybe her parent in the middle generation was much closer to dear old dad. Mm-hmm. Dear old Grampy. The secret family he actually liked. I mean, we've never heard whether FP has, like, siblings. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying he does. Regular siblings, secret siblings, half-siblings. She is another grandchild of Forsyth I, I'm sure of it. So with FP quitting the ser- sheriff, yes, he is going to become full-on crazy-ass serpent. And he is going to rage a war against Hiram. Yes, yes. They're going to shut down the roads. They're going to throw bricks through his windows. They are going to take over the town. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's good. I would love that he, to happen. Or he's going to become like Robin Hood. I Steal would, from the rich, give to the poor. I would love to see FP become the bandit king of Riverdale and institute his his biker martial law. To, yeah. to show us the actual martial law we were denied in that break. Right. God, that sucked. We just skipped time. That's so dumb. Uh, whatever is going on with Jonathan, with the attempted murder, Brett is going to take the fall to protect Donna. Because he's scared. Whether he's scared of her, whether he's secretly in love with her, whether this is all part of their plan somehow all along, Brett, Brett is, is going to take the fall. Brett is just terrified of donna (laughs) who wouldn't be at this point forget the burgers he thinks she's going to slit his throat in his sleep yeah she saw he saw it happen to jonathan Ooh, ooh. well okay so we know she said that jonathan smeared the blood yeah so what if it was jonathan that they forced to kill jug or like to knock jughead out uh-huh, and that's and why then, it didn't take, because Jonathan has little baby arms. Well, I was going to say, what if then, afterwards, Jonathan was freaking out and wanted to turn himself in, mm-hmm. and they killed him to shut him up? 
Yeah, they, they tried to convince him, you can't turn us in. It's your fingerprints on everything. We'll keep our story straight and deny it. And But he's still freaking out, and then yeah. they just have to kill him. Yeah. 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 That's how it'd go down. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alice is going to fail to secure distribution for her, her documentary. But rather than admit that she failed, she'll, she'll just sell homemade DVDs at the flea market. I was thinking it would go up on YouTube. And still call herself a hard-hitting uh, documentary filmmaker. It's going to go up on YouTube and she'll have to pause to advertise like HelloFresh and Audible <laughs> and Casper mattresses. <laughs> oh my god. What? I would like to thank Blue Apron for sponsoring me today. It'd be like Red Hot Pad or something. No, Red Oven Mitt. Yeah. Much better. Yeah. Uh, what's another name for a ghost? Because you can't use Casper. <laughs> Casper's brothers are stretched, stinky, and fat, so and you don't want to. <laughs> you don't want to call your mattress that. There's not his brothers. There's uncles. Okay. Because that would be really freaking sad if he and all his brothers died in their youth. <laughs> They were all in the war. They're the it brothers. Was Spanish flu. They're the brothers that died, and then they had to go get Private Ryan from the front. Yeah, it's Casper, Stretch, Stinky, and Fatso Ryan. The, the four. Yeah. Oh, okay. That makes sense. <laughs> some some were in uh, the Pacific Theater. Some were in Europe. If it's audible, hearable, Hear- hearable. I like yeah. hearable. Go to hearable.com and, and enter code uh, Alice Cooper, but not that one. <laughs> also, she's going to sell oils. <laughs> yeah, but that's just for her. This is for her. She spread sage in the in the pilot. Yes. Where's New Age Alice been? I, I mean, it, it came back for a bit with the farm, but... <laughs> it came back very hard with the farm. It's nice to know that was always kind of there in her. Yeah, yeah. Now it is time to talk about what we know is going to happen in our next episode. Chapter 73, The Locked Room, which is not the name of any film I could find. And this makes you very upset. I, ugh, there are rules, people. What if it's just an alternative to Panic Room? Because they couldn't get, like... It could be. That title. There, There is the famous Swedish detective novel from 1972, which did get a film adaptation, but... It was a Swedish film, and so the, the title is in the Swedish language and not English. I mean, I feel like that counts. Yeah, it, at a bit if of a stretch. If that's what it would translate to is, and yes. be put on a video case here, then yeah, it counts. It's a movie. But it is probably just talking about the genre of mystery. You know, uh, there there's a room that is sealed, locked, no one comes in, no one comes out, but the person dies, here are some other clues, what happened? Mm-hmm. Locked room mysteries are also more generalized as, you know, impossible puzzles. You gotta find some esoteric way to make it happen because all the normal ways are shut off. Why don't they just name an escape room? That's a movie. <laughs> escape room is a movie. Yeah. But no one escapes from a room in the trailer. But in the trailer, they're locked in. I mean, that's what you are in an escape room. (laughs) And the trailer does name drop the concept of a locked room mystery. What we know is going to... Which is an escape room. You have to figure out the mystery to get out. (laughs) It's the same thing. A a locked room mystery and an escape room are not the same thing. It's the same thing. It's not the same thing. There's a mystery and you're locked inside. If you gotta leave and go pee, you loose. Jughead and Betty... (laughs) 
I really feel like escape room should have a pause button. Like, I just need to pee. I'm not giving up on the puzzle. Jughead and Betty go to the salon. They they uh, confront the remaining living. <laughs> the what? Uh, the salon. The salon. It's, it's French. They have hors d'oeuvres at the salon. What else do they have? Caviar. Yeah. Champagne. Do they have souffles? A souffle. <laughs> and so while they are at the salon, uh-huh. co- confronting the, the remaining living members of the writing club, they, they basically present it like the end of an Agatha Christie movie, where they're like, okay, now we've got you all here. Here's exactly how it happened. Ha ha ha. As they gloat on how it all happened and why it happened and everything they've discovered. And it's going to be, at least the trailer implies, it's going to be a full episode of flashbacks going back to the Ides of March and probably before, catching us up on all the little bits we, the audience, and they, the characters, have missed. Yeah. My favorite thing in that trailer is when Jughead walks into Stonewall behind Betty and is just like, hey, guys. (laughs) Yes. He's enjoying his Tom Sawyer moment. Yes, he is. He's living his dream. So that will come at you next week, next Wednesday. Yeah. Salon. The what? Salon. The salon. Salon. Ho ho ho. What was that word? That was a grunt. Okay. Anyhow, that is it for our recap and our segments and most of our energy so it is time to wrap up yes it is so with that you should leave us a rating and review yeah go on over to apple Podcasts and tell them how much you love us and and want us to to come over and like make cookies with you you should also tell your friends tell them how much you want us to come over and make cookies with you you should also follow us on twitter at sex archie which is underscore archie which is where you can tell us your favorite kind of cookies yeah if any of you say oatmeal raisin, you're dead to me. I'll make them. No. I am a people pleaser at heart. <laughs> Anyhow, thanks for, for sticking with us yet again. Uh, gosh, what a good episode this was to watch. It was. We, we did mention going to C2E2 earlier in the episode. Oh, yes. Even though we weren't sending out pings like, here's where we are, here's where we're going to be in half an hour, people still found us? Yeah, it was magical. So I'd like to give a shout out to everybody we, we saw, everybody we talked to. At least one of you did mention Sex Archie, so I know hey. you're listening. Hey, you. <laughs> I don't so think you that. told us your name. But you, standing when we were in line or on the way to be in line for the main stage by the big windows that overlook uh, the highway and and the lake. Yeah, Yeah. you, you. And and also, everybody, it was nice. It was very nice. (laughs) Yes. Uh, So with that, I'm Elena. I'm Grant. And from us here at Sax Archie, forget about the burgers. Sugar. Please. Forget about the burgers! I refuse. I will never forget about the burgers. <laughs> <laughs>